Happy New Year. Um, I don't know how excited you get over New Year. I think I mentioned it before. I get more excited about New Year than I do Christmas. It's always exciting um, to start a, a year. For some people, it's um, an opportunity for them to start fresh, leaving last year behind. And for some people, it's this incentive, this kind of motivation to start fresh. And that's a good thing. Any time anyone wants to move forward, it's better than just being slumped and staying in the same place. So when we say Happy New Year, we pray that this year would be a place where you're moving forward, Amen. that this year would be a happy one for you, and I trust that this year would be one that definitely would bring about the joy and, and peace of Jesus Christ in your life. So Happy New Year. You remember uh, the last message last Sunday, um, it was the last Sunday of the year, and you remember the message, what I shared with you? Remember the verse that I shared with you? Where was it? The last verse in the last chapter, in the last book? This, this, this start of the year, this Sunday, what do you think I want to share with you? Thank you. Oh, let's pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks for your, your grace upon us, for your mercy upon us, your patience. You, Lord God, know us, you know everything about us, and how so much we need your mercy, how so much we need your, your presence in our life, in everything that we do, wherever we go, wherever we are, you are there. If we make our our bed in hell, you're there. Lord God, we ask you that you would carry us this year through the trials, through the pains, through the sufferings, through the joys. You would carry us this year, Lord God. And that, Lord God, you would be the one that we turn to, that we look to, to meet our needs, that you would be the one that we cry to, that we fall at our knees before that you would be the one, Lord God, that we declare as our saviour in faith. Pray, Father, for this morning that your word may speak to our hearts. Lord God, that this morning you would speak to us in such a way that you would set and ground our faith today for the rest of the year and the rest of our life. I pray that you cast the enemy and all distractions from our minds and from our hearts and Teach us to be focused and give you and dedicate this hour to you, Lord God, we pray. To yours be the glory, the honour and the power, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm not much for resolution, but I heard one really good resolution. And that was this. Don't ever pray this year unless you pray believing. Oh, that was an awesome prayer. Anytime you pray this year, make sure you believe when you're praying. What an awesome resolution. That if you committed yourself that every time you prayed, you only prayed believing. That you didn't just pray into the air, you prayed believing. How awesome would that be? I thought that was a really cool resolution. That's not what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. I'm going to turn to... Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. 
the very first verse in the very first chapter of the very first book, God orchestrated, he wrote this out in his heart and in his mind when he was penning down his word in the history of the world. He decided that this verse, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth would be the very phrase that he was going to open up the whole scriptures. How awesome is this verse? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I teach art and design to students, and at the start of the year, when they're all eager and very excited to do art or design, they sit down very attentive, and it's an opportunity for me to talk to them about this verse. It's probably the the first uh, way I open up my lesson. When I'm talking about art and I talk about design, I say to them, do you know the very first thing that is ever written down in in, in the Bible, the very first thing is that the Bible says that God created, God created the heavens and the earth. Before it mentions anything about God being powerful, before it mentions anything about God being all-knowing, before it says anything about all the beautiful attributes of God, it says that God created. And of all the descriptions that God chose to put down in the first frame, and it was this one title, and that's the title Creator. God created. And that is extraordinary. That is unbelievable because when things are broken, you want them fixed. Or when there's things that they just don't seem to be appearing, you want them to appear. And when God says God created the heavens and the earth, it is a great comfort and a great peace. Far greater than all the attributes I think that God can ever have, it is this, that God is creator. God is creator. It is a quiet cry against atheism, this, this passage. You know that? It's a very silent uh, argument against all those who don't believe. God created the heavens and the earth. It's a beautiful phrase because it doesn't tell us when he did it. It baffles the minds of all the scientists. And while the world thinks and in ignorance that they oppose God because, oh, did the God really create the world in six days? Well, we see this very short phrase that says, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. The six days hadn't yet started. We don't know the span and the gulf of that time. And if scientists want to tell us it's a million years or trillions of years and billions of years, we don't argue with the Word of God because the Bible says in the beginning, the beginning does not have a time or a frame. It could be whatever number you want to put on it. And so the ignorance of man when they say, oh, really? It's a foolishness. They don't understand the Scriptures. This is a very simple cry against atheism. In the beginning, God created In fact, it's also a beautiful cry against all the other gods and all the other religions in the world, did did you know? Because in the beginning, it wasn't energy that created, it wasn't um, a force that created, it was God that created. And we are told in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning to the end. So in the end, when the atheist wants to argue and and wants to question and, and wants to rebut everything that God says, 
Well, the Bible already told me that he has put eternity in people's hearts, yet people cannot understand God from his beginning and from his ending. They don't understand how God does the beginning and how God does the end. So in the end, there's no argument. You can't argue with someone who doesn't want to argue. And this is a beautiful thing because God does not need to be defended. That's why the scriptures open up with, in the beginning, God created. It doesn't open up with any evidence that there is a God. It doesn't justify that there is a God. It just says the fact that there is God. That's it. It's like someone in a crime scene. You rock up to the crime and there's, there's, there's all these men and you say, who did this? Who did this? And the person says, I didn't do it. I was under the car fixing the car. It wasn't me. I was under the car. The other person says, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. I was walking my dog. I was walking my dog. I wasn't there. The other one says, I wasn't me. No, it wasn't me. I was with my wife having dinner. And you get to the fourth person and says, who did this? And they say, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And you're waiting for some kind of response, like, you know, <laughs> why didn't, where, you know, give me something more than I didn't do it. But the fact is, the person who says, I didn't do it, doesn't need to justify himself because let the truth unveil itself. It's those who kind of have to justify and give reason that you kind of start to question. But the one who says, I didn't do it, knows the truth and doesn't need to justify it. It's like in the beginning, God created. I don't need to tell you why and how I exist, it's because I am. And in the beginning, God created. And I want to share with you maybe two very simple things this morning. Very simple things about God being creator. God being somewhat an artist. Two very beautiful things as an artist. One is, an artist makes something. Most artists, we make something. We, do, we, we, we create things. But the distinction here with God being creator is this very, very special truth, and it's this. Most men or women who are artists or creators make something out of something. See, if I want to paint, I need a paintbrush. And if I ever want a paintbrush, I need wood and some hair, and I need paint. See, that's what we do. We're, we're, we're limited. When God created... He made something out of nothing. It's what God is. It's what made God who he is. As an artist, if I want paint or colors, I need to go to some pigment and mix it and get my color red. The primary colors, they just exist. You have to look for them. They're the three colors that make up all the colors in the world. So for me to get red, I can't mix it. I have to go get the pigment. I have to get some bark. I have to get some dirt, some leaf. I have to squeeze it, crunch it. I have to grind it. I've got to add something to it, and I have my color red. But I have to make something out of something. And it's extraordinary when you look at color as artists. Color is extraordinary because where did this even come from? Like, how does it even happen? Is, is it part of the evolution process? Did color evolve? Surely, okay, maybe we evolved and our eyes somehow evolved into seeing colour, but where did colour come from? Who gave us colour? Colour is spiritual. Colour is, is abstract. You know, when you look at colour, for example, the power of colour is that when you look at it, it causes you certain emotions just by looking at it. There's prisons in America where basically they paint all the, the walls pink so that when they put prisoners in there, there's a soothing effect that takes over them. Pink. Hardcore prisoners. Colour. I mean, where did that come from? 
How did that happen? And while we look at artists and we look at people who do great things with colour, who gave them colour? It's like music. Who gave the notes and the chords? Did they evolve? Did music evolve? Did it kind of grow from one thing to another? Or it just was? And so when we look at these things and man deceives themselves into thinking, oh, man evolved and this and that, what about those things that didn't evolve? Music, colour, maths. Who, who created these things? Who gave you these things? And so we take those things and we, we, we applaud ourselves as artists and designers and inventors and we say, how wonderful and how genius and oh, what a fantastic scientist. But all we did was we took an existing formula that was created by God. And all we did was we, we put in the numbers and we, we, we crunched the system. But it was a formula that was already created by God from the very beginning. And yet we'd rather applaud man than the creator himself. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It doesn't even, we can't even fathom it. I understand it. The Bible tells me that I can kind of sense an eternity, but from the beginning and how it works to the end, my heart cannot conceive it. So how can something or someone who can't conceive it can question this very thing they can't understand? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He makes something out of nothing. And that this is the truth. And this is the reality. God, from the beginning, demonstrated that if I can make something out of nothing, I can make something out of your life. Because if you come to church this morning and you feel like nothing, well, then God already told you from the very beginning that I make something out of nothing. And that's the beauty of God being the creator. And any broken man and any, any person who comes with nothing before God, and this is the desire of God's heart, that you do come with nothing, God makes something. So even from the very beginning, in every step and everything that God did was all about you coming to the knowledge of his truth. That's why when we read, when God created the world, he separated light from darkness. That's the foundation of the whole gospel. Even in creation itself, it speaks of God. And that's what the Bible tells us. From the beginning, God did not want to mingle or mix. When he created the world, he didn't want to take a palette of black and mix it with a palette of white and turn greys. For this is the message that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. From the beginning, he demonstrated that. He said, let there be light. And God separated the light from the darkness. This is the message that is spread throughout the whole Bible till the end. Because God makes something out of nothing. So any person who calls upon the name of the Lord, Lord, I've got nothing. I've got like the song that we just sang at Christmas, the drummer boy. All I've got is my drums. I'll play. But anyone who walks into church this morning and says, Lord, I've got nothing. I've got nothing. Has to put their hope in someone who can make something out of that. And that's why we thank the Lord Jesus Christ. He's my creator. He creates. Out of chaos, he makes good. Out of mistakes, he makes proper. Out of issues and problems, he brings healing. And he creates something good. <clears throat> Another job of an artist or a designer or a creator isn't just to make something. It's to make something beautiful. It's to make something beautiful. Unless in today's modern day art, postmodernism. We want to make something ugly. 
to, 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 to reflect and, and, and present the chaos in this world. And what we do is we, we create an influence. We create an influence. We create an influence. So that means basically as an artist, if you want to design um, the state of the world and I want to show the world what I feel and think about it and I make something really black and ugly, then that gets projected out to the world and to the masses and they look at it and it's black and ugly and then that influences black and ugly and then it comes back again and it becomes a spiral as artists. And that's the way that we are as, 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 as people, creative people in this world. It's a decline. That's why we have postmodernism, which is the breaking of every rule, every chaos. But God isn't like this. God makes things beautiful. That's why we see in the creation, God said it was good. It was good. It was good. It was good. We live in a world today where we say, that's bad. Awesome, man. That's bad. Oh, it's wicked. Awesome, man. Evil, unreal. That wasn't God. God, from the beginning, made everything beautiful. I remember going to a concert, Don Francisco. Some of you may remember. <clears throat> and he had a, a person come to the front. The supporting act. The supporting act came out, uh, I think, a New Zealander, you know, solid guy with a guitar. And he starts singing and he's strumming the guitar and he's going, something beautiful. And he's playing it, something good. And he's singing, oh, what a nice song. And as he's singing, people started to laugh or giggle around. Thinking, well, something. And he's singing. And then you look carefully at him and he's got a, a, a bleed coming down from his nose. And he's singing, something good. And his blood starts bleeding. I think this is crazy. It's horrific. It's like, and then he notices that it's bleeding because everybody now noticed it. Like, oh no, well, you know, everyone's talking and what's going on. So he's, he's, he noticed, and he's something good. And he's wiping his nose. All my confusion. And, he's, and, he's, and then he pulls the tissue out. And, he's, and then he grabs the tissue and he, I think someone gave it to him. I don't know. He grabs the tissue and he sticks it up his nose. And he keeps singing. Something beautiful. And you're looking at this image of a guy with stuffed up tissue of his nose. Something good. And I thought, wow. The irony of someone standing there singing something beautiful, something good, while his nose is bleeding and stuffed with tissue. But I did ponder that and I thought to myself, how beautiful is that? How the broken people, the broken church, they're all just broken and bleeding and bruised and they're there strumming a tune that says something beautiful, something good. And there you are, you're bruised and battered, but you believe in the hope. And that's why I shared with you this morning about the resolution, that when you pray, you pray knowing that God is good and God is great and God can and will do something beautiful because you believe in him, because he is creator. He doesn't try to create. He is creator. He, 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 everything about him is about creation. He touches and everything starts to sprout. That's God. His word brought existence. When he speaks, things come to life. That's God. So when you're broken and bruised, remember when God is creator, he makes something good. That's why he says every time he made something, it is good. It is good. It is good. It may not look good to you. It may not look beautiful to you. But God knows what he's doing. Like, for example, in certain parts of the world, like in Africa, uh, apparently being a lady, being big, is beautiful. 
They have a proverb that says that if you, a, a lady can sit on a camel and break the camel's legs, oh, she's beautiful. And so their eyes, there's a missionary that went out to Africa and, and he had a very thin, skinny wife. And they approached him and said, you know, you, your wife doesn't do you any good. <laughs> so in our eyes, what seems not to be beautiful, what seems not to be quite attractive, God has a bigger, better picture. Now, I want you to understand something here. In the, big, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the Bible says that the earth was without form, void, and darkness hovered over the face of the deep. This image or this picture is this picture that this place is chaotic, it's dark. And that's why when the, the evolutionists and all the scientists say the Big Bang Theory, well, they're not kind of far from the truth. Because this chaotic place or this Big Bang who told you it could not have been from the very beginning, this existence that, that happened? Darkness, chaos. It was, it was the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. What is that? Without form and void. I mean, what does that even mean? Without form. Form, form is a design element. You can't touch it. And, and void. Void is like it's empty. And what is that, what is that place? I, I don't think you could, you could explain it. I don't think it even makes sense. Even now science is discovering new elements of things that kind of are peculiar to us. But that was the state of the world before God said, let there be light. Let there be light. And that explosion, or whatever it was, however it was, brought about the first comment when God stepped back and looked and this is a beautiful thing. Those words, it is good. It is good. You know, I believe when we get to heaven, it's going to be like this. It's like a gallery. Of all the beautiful pictures and paintings, you, our soul, hanging there, and the greatest guest to visit this gallery is going to be God the Father because he's going to see the workmanship of Jesus Christ, how he's hung and framed every single beautiful thing that God had created, more particularly his creation, his people. And he's going to walk through this gallery, God, and he's going to see the beautiful hanging there and he's going to ask, who's the artist? Who's the artist? Who's the artist? Who's the artist? Jesus, his son. Jesus, his son, who painted and molded and made you the creature you need to be so that you're pleasing before the eyes of the Father. Imagine when you rock up to one painting, there's a smudge right across the face. Who's the artist? Who's the artist? Well, you couldn't really point to Jesus. Because Jesus is a fantastic artist. And what shame it would be that you would glory in a smudged face than allow Jesus Christ, the artist, to paint the picture that you need to be before the Father. Something beautiful is a reflection and a representation of everything that God does is good. And so when God calls you out of your brokenness, out of your sin, out of your righteousness, you have to be presented holy, righteous, perfect before him because he is a perfect artist.
There's no flaw in his painting. Back in the days of the Renaissance, if you see one hair stroke from a brush, you were disqualified from the academy. But in the paintings of Jesus Christ, there is not one blemish. And the Bible tells, tells you that you must, brothers and sisters, present yourself holy and blameless before the throne of God. Because we are his workmanship. We are created for good works in him. Listen to this beautiful verse. Listen to this beautiful verse. For all those things, Isaiah chapter 66 verse 2. For all those things my hand has made and all those things exist, says the Lord. Listen. But on this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. I've made everything. Everything that you see and everything that you don't see, everything that is there and everything that you don't know is there, I made it all. But among all these things that I have made, I only look at that one thing. And what's that? That's my creation the image of God, the one that I made. And upon him who I look upon, who is, is poor and of a broken spirit and who trembles at my word. So go back to creation and you see this kind of a place of chaos, brokenness. And God looks upon that and he speaks his word into that life and says, let there be life. And when someone experiences the power of God and the touch of God, they tremble at his word. God becomes to them everything. They tremble. And God desires that tremble because that desire, that tremble, sees the, 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 the beauty and the power that God is. And they're in awe of it. And they can't look to the left and they can't go to the right, but to the hand of the maker. Lord, mold me, make me. Do what you need to me. Do what you need to, to do to me. You are the creator. David, in the Psalms, he, he was spot on. He, he, he caught on to this. He says this in Psalms 8, verse 3 to 9. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? When I think of every single thing that you did, who am I compared to your wealth of creation? It's extraordinary. I can't... I can't think about it. I can't fathom it. When I think about all these things and the Son of Man, that you visit him, that you even consider him, that you would even come and look and see his lowly state and think to yourself, I must deliver, I must save, I must work in them. Who am I in the midst of all your creation? It's crazy. You have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with the glory and honor you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. When you look at the grand mountain, when you look at the, when you look at the volcano, when you look at uh, the ferocious of all animals, and you think of all creation, God has given man the mastery over all these things. Who? Me? Really? Why me? There's far more stronger, greater creation than I am. But that's what he did. You have made him have dominion over the works of your hands. 
You have put all things under his feet. So that's why when the world goes crazy, when they've made discoveries and when they've been able to hold a tornado and they've been able to tie uh, the wind, and they think, oh, how awesome, how awesome, look how grand and how strong we are. No, you're only grand and strong because God gave you the dominion over these things. It doesn't make you any more closer to God. It just shows you the authority of the creator who's, who's got these uh, apprentices running around in this world who are doing his job. He's training them. He's teaching them. He is the one who is the maker, the creator. You have made him have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. There's a climax of excitement that God is creator. And in his genius, because I reckon this is it, this is in the end, uh, the genius of God. The genius of God. There is nothing more greater than the creation and the existence of the human soul and the plan of salvation. Nothing. The best and most beautiful sunset could not compare to that precious soul and that plan of salvation that God created. Nothing. No beauty in this world can compare to the beauty of that soul that God created, the plan of salvation. The Bible tells us, I even created darkness. (laughs) Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. I even created darkness. What does that even mean? I even created darkness. And yet it says, in him is no darkness at all. It means that God is supreme over every part of the canvas. The wood, the nails, the prime, over every stroke. Every splinter, every piece of wood, every fiber in that canvas. God made and God created. He orchestrated it because he is the creator. And when something seems so far and so long lost and broken, just like the state of a world in chaos, God says, I created it. I even created that in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth and it was without form of... I even created that. It's extraordinary. I pray this year that you would pray to God believing when you pray with full faith and no prayer should be prayed without this faith that God is the creator and God can and will do beautiful things to the one whose spirit is broken and contrite before him and trembles at his word. You will fulfill the masterpiece. You will fulfill the workmanship of Christ in your life, God willing, this year and the years to come. What he has begun in you, he will finish. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Psalm 96 verse 5 says... 
For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord, the Lord made the heavens. If you've come this morning and you're feeling like, you know, you're a bit behind in the, in the excitement of the, 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 the year, you haven't really made those resolutions, you didn't really commit to anything, and you've come because, you know, you just, there's nothing, you've got nothing. Well, God is creator. God is creator, and in the end, the decision is yours. Do you want him to make something good? Believe in faith that today, this morning, when we pray, we pray in faith. Again, believe and pray believing. Father in heaven, I pray for everyone this morning that this year, Lord God, you would make us more and more into the image of your Son. For some of us, you would create a new heart in us, a clean heart, a right spirit. But whatever you do, Lord God, we know that you are the one who made us, you know us, and we desire, Lord God, to become more and more like you. Maybe this year, Lord God, that you would bring about a holiness in us that would change our life. That would not be the same people of old, but you've made a new thing. You've caused the streams and the rivers in the desert, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would do that in our life. We give you thanks and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.